the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, all right. Tomorrow's the big day, election day for the midterms, 2022. If you guys don't have your voting plan yet, what the heck are you doing? You need to get your voting plan set, schedule it to be a major part of your day, the biggest thing you'll do tomorrow. And of course, make sure that you're bringing friends along, the people that are maybe a little apprehensive and just disenfranchised. They're not interested in the crazy politics of our country. Please let them know that all votes matter. And if they could just spend a half an hour, get into the voting booth, voting, and then getting home. I know (laughs) it sounds like a lot these days because we're all rush, rush, rush. But at the end of the day, this is the most important thing we will do as American citizens on top of raising a wonderful family and being good people. (laughs) Okay, back to it, though. I'm going to give you guys a quick update on the insanity of the attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband, the attack that happened in their home. And then we're going to dive right into the midterms. We're going to dedicate this episode to talking about tomorrow. And then what I think is going to happen after, I guess. (laughs) Basically, Biden called us idiots again on stage. Mainstream media people are saying if you don't vote Democrat, our kids are going to die again. New York might turn red. Yes, you heard me right. Oh, my gosh. As an upstate New Yorker or somebody originally from upstate New York, I am shocked, fascinated, excited, nervous. I don't know. I feel lots of emotions about this one. But I can tell you we are I'm really excited to see what happens. And then, of course, uh, we have to talk about the elephant in the room. You guys, Trump just attacked Ron DeSantis. And let's just say I'm not happy about it, but we're going to talk about it. Okay, let's get on into it. All right, before we get into that first topic with Paul Pelosi, if you guys want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. That's because they take a portion of your bill and they fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they are winning when they do it. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call. Go to PatriotMobile.com Morgan or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with the offer code MORGAN. Special discounts are also available for veterans and first responders. Join the movement. Make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. That's patriotmobile.com slash Morgan, patriotmobile.com slash Morgan, or call 972-PATRIOT and use my name. Woo! Thanks, guys. Okay, you guys, I found a video of Tucker Carlson kind of talking about what the new updates are with the Paul Pelosi mess, Nancy Pelosi's husband. I really am not able to talk about this. Because I just feel a little nervous about saying anything. So I'm going to let Tucker say this one. Carlson said, happy Friday. What a day. And it started on the weirdest possible note. If you tuned into the Today Show this morning looking for the usual funny cat videos and trans-friendly salad recipes, you may have been surprised to find actual news being committed on your screen. In place of the segment you expected to see, fit and sexy over 70, there was NBC News correspondent Miguel Almaguer letting you know that actually that assault on Paul Pelosi in San Francisco that you read about last week, that story was a whole lot stranger than you ever imagined. 
According to Almaguer, citing several law enforcement sources with direct knowledge, it was Paul Pelosi who opened the door for police when they arrived. Now, you'll remember that authorities had previously told us that the intruder, David DePape, had broken into Paul Pelosi's bedroom on the third floor of the house and woken him up. Yet somehow, both Pelosi and DePape were on the ground floor by the time police got there. Moreover, according to Almaguer, Pelosi and DePape had been together in the house for at least half an hour. And yet, strangely, they both seemed fine. With police present, Almaguer reported, Paul Pelosi, quote, did not immediately declare an emergency or leave his home. Instead, he, quote, walked back several feet toward the assailant and away from police. What? Paul Pelosi walked away from the police and toward David DePape? What could possibly explain behavior like that? And what were the two doing for the 30 minutes before police arrived? Under normal circumstances, we wouldn't want to know. Paul Pelosi's personal life is his business. It's not our business. We've got nothing against the guy. We believe in privacy. But unfortunately for Paul Pelosi, there's an election coming next week. And his wife's allies immediately politicized the assault against him. They tried to tell us that David DePape, a homeless, illegal, alien, nudist drug addict who had a BLM flag hanging near the broken school bus that he lives in, was actually a right-wing hitman inspired by Q, determined to act out the violence of January 6th in Nancy Pelosi's own home. They told us that, like we'd believe it. Then the President of the United States went on television and said it again. It's laughably absurd. Russia bombed its own pipeline, okay. But they said it, and they're still saying it. Then, out of nowhere, comes the Today Show, the head baton twirler in the Democratic Party's media pep squad, and completely, probably unintentionally, blows up their lie. After watching Al McGeer's story in the Today Show this morning, you could only conclude, as Elon Musk put it, there's a tiny possibility there might be more to this story than meets the eye. You think? And now we know for a fact that there is more to the story because NBC News has Jeffrey Epstein the entire thing. NBC deleted Al McGeer's story both from its website and from Twitter. Why'd they do that? Well, obviously, they did it because the report was true. There's no question. When was the last time you saw someone punished for lying? No one's ever punished for lying. You can lie all you want. What you can't do is tell the truth about something important. Okay, you guys, so that was Tucker giving a quick, brief breakdown of the updates on the situation with Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's husband. I couldn't have said it better than him. That's why I played that for you. But I'm sharing that with you because it's just something that I want you to hear. Okay, it was delivered very well, very clearly. Something is really off about this story. Now, do we care what people do behind closed doors? Absolutely not. But we certainly care about the fact that something something weird happened, right? We don't know exactly what, but we certainly know that it wasn't some guy inspired by January 6th or trying to start a civil war or some right-wing extremist white supremacist that was driven to go murder the House Speaker and her husband in their home in San Francisco. But that's what the mainstream media pushed on us. So now we have to say, (laughs) all right, you're asking for it. You're trying to bring this into the political conversation and villainize your political opponents on the right by connecting them to this random hobo guy who is potentially a nudist that snuck into a guy's house. Who knows what actually happened, but it's completely disgusting for them to try and connect us to it. Do you see why that's why we have to talk about this? Do you think I want to sit here 
and look at these beautiful outdoor trees that I'm looking at right now and then talk about some random nudist that came in and hammered a guy until he got into the hospital and he was like in his underwear. No, I don't want to be talking with you guys about that. But the point is, this is a major, major story regarding propaganda and how it's weaponized against the American people to get us to fall for certain narratives and divide us even more. Do not fall for this ridiculous narrative. The big story on top of this is the fact that, wait a second, you're saying all of a sudden the Today Show, a morning show that usually never kind of talks about this stuff, like hard-hitting news, stuff like that. It's usually just happy-go-lucky recipes, etc. You're telling me that they just randomly decided to cover the story from an actually honest perspective of the fact that this doesn't make a lot of sense, and then they were pulling the story immediately after, saying, never mind? Really? So that just adds to it. I mean, I've talked a lot about different kinds of propaganda, different kinds of disinformation. One of the things that I think is really important is distraction propaganda. And then we talked about that with Afghanistan. When they had the debacle, the completely botched departure from Afghanistan, what did they do as that was at its peak worst moments? They announced a vaccine mandate that was going to affect every person employed at a company with over 100 employees and, of course, the federal workers, too. And that puts... A hundred million people in the country all of a sudden and all of the family members of those 100 million people in a complete tizzy thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to make a major decision. Am I going to quit my job? How am I going to put food on the table? Do I need to get this vaccine? Everybody got sent into a tizzy by the vaccine mandate because that was very deserving of our attention, too. But our attention got driven to that vaccine mandate away from the Afghanistan debacle. That was timed. That was a bunch of political operatives sitting in a room in Washington, D.C., going, how can we take the blow off of us right now and send it somewhere else? I know, we'll announce that vaccine mandate we've had up our sleeves for quite some time. That's how these things operate, okay? It's a bunch of stupid political operatives behind the scenes that think we are just all little pieces in their game. And that's actually something, where's that from? Road to Serfdom, where it talks about how socialists, people who believe in government operations over uh, the free will of the people, over allowing the people, the communities, the families to be the core structure of society and the core decision makers, they see us all as little plants in a garden. And then if they want to change how the garden looks, they just uproot us, they plant us other places, they change what they're planting, all this stuff. We are just moving parts of their big garden that they're trying to grow into this utopia. I not going to go too far into that one, but it's a great book, Road to Serfdom, if you guys haven't read that one yet. It's a classic from mid-1900s, I would say. I have a terrible memory. Now, let's move on. So we're going to talk about the midterms. Tomorrow's election day. If you don't have a plan, what a disappointment. Okay, maybe that's harsh. Oh my gosh, Morgan just said I'm a disappointment. Yes, I did. Okay, we're a constitutional republic. It's your most important thing that you can do as an individual in our society is to be, of course, a responsible individual, a grow a strong family unit that will also be a bunch of strong individuals in society, contributing members of society. But of course, what's your role in the system of government that we have, right? It's to vote. <laughs> I, I want to start by addressing this, you guys. And actually, you know what? Before we do that, let's do a quick little reminder of why the people are so important. Here we go. I read this quote on Instagram. Someone posted it and I said, they closed your businesses, they closed your schools, they closed your churches, they closed your beaches, they banned parties, they banned funerals, they banned graduation ceremonies, they banned nursing home visitors, they banned hospital visits, they banned dads in the delivery rooms, they banned travel to certain states, they even designated what constitutes a meal. Do you guys remember that one? 
<laughs> they allowed protests. They allowed riots. They allowed anarchists to co-opt cities. They allowed the storming of police precincts. They allowed the assault of peacekeepers. They allowed multiple funerals for people that fit their agenda. They allowed businesses to be destroyed. They allowed gun stores to be closed. They allowed statues to be vandalized. They allowed churches to be set on fire. They allowed the infringement of our liberty. They allowed our constitution to be ignored. And they are still infringing on our God-given rights. Our God-given constitutional rights. It's time to get them out of office. Tomorrow is the day to do that. Tuesday is election day. Now, back to the point of how our ability to vote, our responsibility to vote is the most important thing when it comes to the people of America and our civil government duty as members of the society. What do I mean by that? It's it's that we're a constitutional republic. So first of all, we're not a direct democracy. We vote for people who will vote one way or another when it comes to actually deciding the laws of our nation. Okay, so we choose people in elections to represent us with all the decision making. It's not like Oh, we've got a new piece of legislation proposed. We've got to have all American citizens voting for or against it. We aren't some direct democracy where every decision includes all of the people. Instead, we're a constitutional republic, not a democracy. And on top of that, we are a federalist system. It's federalism. So what does that mean, that we are a federalist system? It means that all of our states that started out as individual sovereign states decided Instead of becoming their own tiny countries, kind of like what Europe looks like, they all decided and debated quite a lot about this. This is called the ratification debate. This was happening between the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. If you guys are interested in that, you can listen to my podcast called Freedom Papers, where I go over all 85 of the Federalist Papers for Turning Point USA. That's a real a real fun one. Episodes are still coming out on that one. We're on like episode 40 or something like that. But Needless to say, all the states decide, you know what, instead of all of us being tiny little countries on the land that is North America, we are all going to form together and agree to create a federal government. And the federal government, it was intended for it to be small but strong and keep a united front, especially when we're dealing um, as a nation with international players. And so we could all, instead of a bunch of tiny countries coming to the table, being like, we deserve X, Y, Z. We want this. We want to negotiate this. I mean, come on, how much bargaining power do you really have? And so it really strengthened us instead to show up as the United States of America, one nation at the bargaining table of international powers. That was one thing. And then, of course, if you re- if we united in that way, it would encourage us to work together, to be a cooperative entity instead of a bunch of tiny little nations fighting each other all the time like you see throughout European history. So this was all debated, all the different factors. Think of it like this. Every Federalist paper is literally a concern, an issue addressed, a topic addressed. The founders looked at all of the issues we were facing at the time and all of the issues that other republics, other attempts at democracy, other attempts at representative government, other forms of government as well throughout human history and said, where did they go wrong? Why did we go wrong? And what can we try and implement in our nation, in our new form of government, to ensure that we don't repeat not only our previous messes that we've had as a new nation since our founding, since the revolution, but also so that we can prevent repeating the issues that have brought other society civilizations down for good? We want to make sure that this is long lasting and stable and can handle turmoil because humans are, are of course, 
quite filled with flaws, right? So we are a beautiful entity, but what I think one of the biggest problems in America is today is the fact that humans, the American citizens, forgot their role. So not only do we have this massive, growing federal government where the bureaucracy is just completely out of control, you have all these faceless, unelected bureaucrats that can't be fired that are growing and growing and growing, and the IRS and the FBI in all of these bureaucratic agencies. It's just so scary, and I don't think our founders ever saw that one coming. But we also see the the overpowering of states' rights by the federal government. And it really concerns me. And when I talk about I'm going to build my homestead and I'm going to get my property and I'm going to have my self-sufficient little piece of land and my family's going to flourish on it, I want to make sure that I'm doing that in a state where the state-level leaders understand the role of state power, especially when checking the federal government. And that's what I love Governor Ron DeSantis does down in Florida. He is an awesome reminder of what federalism really looks like. Now, how come some states can't stand up against the federal government? It's because they completely lost their bargaining power, because most of the states these days are completely dependent on the federal government to pay for their state programs and keep the state going. (laughs) Okay, so they aren't like little tiny sovereign states that are a part of a small but strong federal government that keeps us all united. Instead, we have this huge federal government and then states within it that get all of their funding for the most part from the federal government and which means they rely on it. So money is power. Money is control. That's why I don't like socialism, but that's a different topic. Okay. Money is power. Money is control. Right now, the federal government can control states. If you guys didn't see this, it was something I always forget this example, but I do remember what the threat was. The federal government, and by that I mean the Biden administration, tried to put some, I think it was like woke curriculum in schools or like allow boys and girls to intermix in the bathroom, something ridiculous like that that had to do with the innocence of children, and the safety of children and this crazy gender theory stuff. And they said, Your state must comply. I think this was directed at Florida or we're going to pull the funding that your state uses to provide school breakfasts and lunches for children in need who can't afford it. It's like, what? So, again, that was like one of the worst examples that we've seen where the federal government is saying, fine, we'll we'll pull the money from this really special program for children who can't afford food in your schools uh, if you don't comply with our radical woke agenda. How about that? So what should a state do if they want to defy the federal government? They should say, "Ah, thanks, we actually don't need your money. We will fund it ourselves. I am much happier paying state tax than I ever will be paying federal government tax. I feel like I have no idea where it's going when it's sent to the federal government. But when I'm paying to a state, I feel like, geez, I'm loving this. Like as much as I'm against property taxes in Texas, that is the significant thing that you pay when you're a member in Texas because the counties are really strong there. And so you, I pay high property taxes compared to other parts of the country, but I also don't pay a state income tax in Texas. And so either way, I'm much prouder to contribute to the state of Texas than I am to be like, hey, Biden, uh, here's here's all my tax money. Please put it to good use, I guess. Please don't send it with Dr. Fauci, who will send it across the world to go fund puppy torture where flies eat the faces of beagles again, I guess. Pretty please. Thank you. Um, do you see how it's like, mm, I'd rather invest in a place more closer to me where I can see the direct impact. But that's another topic. The bottom line is that Florida was able to look in this situation at the Biden administration and say, uh, thank you, but no thank you. We don't need your money. So you could just take it and we are not going to do this to our kids. They were able to fight back because they weren't pressured. They weren't completely controlled financially in that situation. But the threat of funds is what really harms our preciousness. Is that a word? The fragility of this federal system. Now, why does that happen? 
Well, it's because if you look at the actual voters, do you think most people understand the importance of federalism? Do you think most people understand the issue of the fourth branch of government, the bureaucracy and the growth of it and how it was completely unintended when our founders designed this nation, how far we've drifted from what our founders intended? Absolutely not. Unfortunately, we've gotten so complacent and safe feeling in this country that we don't have to be educated on politics. We feel like we don't have to be uh, well-read on the world around us, on the current events in our own nation, in our own community. And so the political class just says, geez, we just got to we just got to put enough commercials on TV and hey, we are going to be good. They're going to show up on Election Day. We're going to win. We just have to get a little name ID. They're going to vote right down their party line and we'll be awesome. They think that we are just little ants and they just need us to show up and vote one day every election season. And it's really, really sad. So that other part when we're talking about the separation of powers, the the importance of federalism, which is separating the power between the states, the federal government, the local government, etc. You also have that other layer. And on top of the separation of power, the checks and balances, we also have the separation in the federal government, I should say, which is the judicial, legislative and executive branches. They check themselves. But when we talk about the different layers and sh- the structure of our nation, We can't just look at it as local, state, federal government. We have to consider the level of the citizen. If you have an aware public, an enlightened public, man, they are going to be able to go up against any threat at any level. And right now we don't have that. So in The Federalist, Charles Kessler, I've talked about this many times, Charles Kessler writes in his introduction of his version of The Federalist Papers, and he says something along the lines of how the Constitution was written for a an enlightened public and it can only be ratified and it can only be kept and continue and and it can only endure with the help and support and protection of an enlightened public. So what are we missing right now? An enlightened public. We need to understand how valuable it is to be a strong member of your family unit and of your community and then be a responsible member of this nation. At the end of the day, that could change everything. But for the most part, nobody shows up to vote. For the most part, nobody pays attention to legislation or to politics or to current events. And you might be like, Morgan, I'm too busy. But at the end of the day, maybe we need to just reprioritize. Maybe we just need to look at the things that we focus on in life and say, what is complete distraction and what is long lasting generational and what do I need to really focus on for the sake of my nation, the sake of my future family? the generations from now that I'll never get to meet. Okay, before I get too uh, spicy about it, let's just move on. (laughs) This is going to be a whole Freedom Papers episode if I don't stop myself. All right, before we move on to the clips that will really break down the last days of the midterm election season, you've all helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today. Now Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to my listeners. Right now, MyPillow is offering exclusive offers on their bedsheets, their six-piece towel set, and even offering an extended 60-day money-back guarantee. Orders placed now through Christmas, December 25th, will now have an extended money-back guarantee through March 1st. The Giza bedsheets are marked down as low as $29.99, and believe me when I say you will get a great night's sleep in these people. Their six-piece towel set is made with USA cotton, comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. Typically retailing for $89.98, but they're now just $39.98 with promo code MORGAN. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-738-8374, use promo code MORGAN, or go to MyPillow.com and use promo code MORGAN. Thank you, guys. 
All right. Let's start with what our uh, wonderful president said, because for some reason, the Democrats think it's a good idea to have him go around the country and advocate for Democratic candidates to be elected. But I cannot imagine someone being inspired by this man. So let's hear what he had to say about the Republicans this time. I love those signs when I came in. Socialism. (laughs) Give me a break. What idiots. (laughs) Socialism. You know, it's a really common tactic for leftist regimes as they are coming into power to deny the fact very passionately that they are socialist or communist or left wing or anything. Um, So I'm not shocked to hear him mock people who are concerned about his socialist policies, his growth of the government taking over major parts of the economy. He also recently said that he's just going to destroy all the coal factories. So that doesn't sound socialist at all. It doesn't remind me of Venezuela at all to completely destroy the energy sector. But I digress. The other aspect of this is that Joe Biden, I mean, he's not really a socialist, right? He's just a crooked, corrupt, old, senile politician. And before he became what he is today, where he can't really speak, he can't comprehend what's going on. He is just really too old for the position. He's got some serious health problems, clearly. Before he was like that, he was massively corrupt, getting a ton of money through his corrupt business dealings, and he still uses his son to do that today. So I would classify him as a different kind of Democrat, right? And that's really important to understand. There's a big difference between the Nancy Pelosi, Barack Obama, and Joe Biden types out there versus the AOC types. I always like to say Nancy Pelosi types versus AOC types because it's really a big difference. AOC is like, heck yeah, I'm a socialist. We are going to destroy the industries and the capitalists in this country, those greedy, nasty one percenters. So those are two different groups. And no matter what, though, they are putting us on this long march down to a socialist communist state. It won't be a big, quick, massive, fast takeover, you guys. It's just a slow decay, a slow rot of our beautiful nation. So if we could put a stop to that, that would be nice. Needless to say, at the end of the day, this is how the president speaks about another side in American politics, calling us idiots, and then the crowd loves it. It's really, really sad. The next one I have for you is another classic tactic by the left. If you haven't heard this one, then I don't know where you've been the last few years because the left likes to tell us that people will die unless we support them. Um, So this time we have a guy on MSNBC speaking on behalf of the Democrats saying, if you don't vote for us, your kids are going to die, people. And a historian 50 years from now, if historians are allowed to write in this country and if there are still free publishing houses and a free press, which which I'm not certain of. But if that is true, a historian will say what was at stake tonight and this week was the fact whether we will be a democracy in the future, whether our children will be arrested and conceivably killed. We're on the edge of a brutal authoritarian system and it could be a week away. Okay, so yeah, that was a historian saying that there's going to be lots of death. Remember the winter of death that the Biden regime threatened us with if we wouldn't get vaccinated? Oh, man, how the turntables turn, as Michael Scott says. Next one, just a fun reminder, you guys, that Biden continues to say that he wants to end fossil fuels in America. And then the people that are handling him say, "Uh uh-uh, he didn't mean it like that. Please don't freak out. Please don't freak out because they need Joe Manchin's vote, who's from West Virginia. Well, he's back at it again, folks. Here he is talking about fossil fuels. So it's going to become a wind generation. And all they're doing is going to save them a hell of a lot of money and using the same transmission line they transmitted the coal-fired electric on. 
we're going to be shutting these plants down all across America and having wind and solar. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw this, but they are um, expecting around 10,000 people apparently in Europe to die from freezing to death because they have so many energy issues because of their embrace of green energy that's completely unrealistic. So that's right. The, the woke policies of Europe are now going to lead to people dying because they can't do something as basic as heat their homes anymore. That is, again, what happens when you put self-identifying progressives in office. If you guys haven't noticed, society regresses. It's just fascinating how that little language manipulation works nearly every time. Oh, man. Okay, um, this is just really fun. Okay, let's go to the next one. Joy Reid says Americans didn't know inflation, the word definition, before we taught it to them, us evil Republicans. Here, use the word inflation, are journalists um, and economists, right? So that is not part of the normal lexicon of the way people talk. So it's interesting that Republicans are doing something they don't normally do, right? Which is not use the, com the common tongue, right? Not use just common English to sort of use do on their campaigns like they're doing with crime. But what they've done is they've taught people the word inflation, right? Yeah. Most people who would have never used that word ever in their lives are using it now because they've been taught it, including on TV, including in newspapers. They've been taught this word and they, they sort of wrap this word around whatever it is that they really want to vote, the, the, you know, the reasons they really want to vote. Wow, she really thought she said something super profound there, I guess. No, at the time, even though these clips are short, I'm like, geez, I need a, a pen and paper to keep with me to track down all the thoughts that I have in these short little talking points from them because it just blows my mind. And then when it's time for me to start talking into the microphone, I'm like, I don't even know where to begin. Well, so typical liberal said this. He said, here's your daily dose of how out of touch the senseless Democrats are. The Washington Bolsheviks, <laughs> a.k.a. the Democratic Party, is the party of the rich who don't want you to worry about inflation. You do. Stop voting for them. now." I guess the first thing I should say is when I hear the other side talking about us, I, I just sometimes I get a little sad because it's like, wow. I mean, I certainly hope that I am not getting them completely wrong. Like, I wonder if anybody ever listens. I get that there's like some more controversial, aggressive talkers on the right. And maybe people on the left listen to that and go, that's not where my heart is. That's not what I do at all, etc. But I listen to this kind of stuff from Joy Reid and I'm like, do they really think that we specifically dumb down our language and just rally people up around stupid talking points? And then if it's politically advantageous to us, we try and educate the population on things that they, they aren't smart enough to already know. And do they really think that most Americans don't know what inflation is to begin with? Like, I listen to their descriptions of us and our tactics and I'm like, uh... I can't tell if you really think that we do these really ridiculous things or if you're just lying about us and making it up that we do these things to make us sound bad. I, I really wonder where their heads are at with that. The next thing is, I'm sorry, but I, I thought everybody knew what inflation was. We have seen massive inflation in modern American history. Inflation is unfortunately actually caused by government spending in America. So when they completely devalue the dollar everything costs a lot more that's why back then if you hear like your your mom and dad talk about the cost of a home it's like a fourth the cost nowadays that's why when you hear grandparents from multiple generations ago they paid five cents for a gallon of milk that's just not how it works anymore we've seen inflation in our nation 
the devaluing of the dollar. So now things cost a lot more. But we also make a lot more money. Everything costs a lot more to make. Everything, everybody's impacted when something like this happens. I figured most people knew what that was. And if they maybe didn't know that, hey, the specific term of this is inflation, this is the cause of it, this is why we're all impacted because we're all purchasers. And then when the cost of living goes up, we experience an increase in salary, but it's not like we actually earn more money technically, like we earn more dollar bills, but at the end of the day, it won't be an increase in the quality of life because everything just costs more. So we make more to be able to afford the same things. And then what do you know, everything in society continues to increase in cost. So I figure that that is maybe the case too of like maybe some people just don't know the actual definitions, but at the end of the day, we're not stupid and we certainly can understand what is happening because we're the ones buying things every day. We're the ones getting paid with a paycheck every week. We are the ones who are experiencing this on the ground level. So for politicians to act like Republicans are just making up inflation itself to be a problem, to freak other voters out before election day is really, really disingenuous. And not only that, it shows how out of touch they are if they really think that the issue with the economy is just being made up. It's like, no thanks, we're the ones who are paying a crazy amount for things like meat and the other things in our grocery cart and especially for things like gas. And it's all led back to the inaction or the the bad actions of the federal government. So what we're just trying to do is just make the voters aware of the fact that these problems we're facing are connected to the actions of politicians. And we don't think that you should vote for politicians who will continue to give us these problems. So thank you, Joy Reid. What's another good one? Oh, boy. Now, as a conservative woman, I love to be called problematic. It's just the lovely word that they always use. There's a funny podcast um, through Heritage Foundation Daily Signal called Problematic Woman that a bunch of conservative women started because we are always called problematic because we're told that our conservative views mean that we're problematic for women's causes and that our our misogyny is internalized because we're we have conservative values that end up hurting women and ourselves and it's just the men in our lives that taught us these values etc cetera, etc cetera, so on so on it's so funny here is the worst one that i've heard in a long time where Women who vote Republican are called cockroaches that are basically voting for raid that will kill us. That's a creative one. I read a a poll just yesterday that white Republican suburban women are now going to vote Republican. Why? It's almost like roaches voting for raid, right? It's it's they're voting. It's insulting to the voter. So, yeah, that was uh, I don't even know her name. She's the girl on The View. I don't really care about that show. And the fact that they talk about other people like that is highly concerning. And then before we move on to New York, I have one more from lovely Stacey Abrams, who is not doing very well in the polls. And so this time when she's asked about it on the news, she says that it's because black men are being lied to and they just can't seem to look at the information and think for themselves they're being lied to and manipulated. So that's why her poll numbers are bad. I do not believe it's because of a deep well of enthusiasm for my opponent. We know that black voters are often discounted. And unfortunately, this year, black men have been a very targeted population for misinformation, not misinformation about what they want, but about why they want what they deserve. And my campaign has been the only one that has very intentionally, thoughtfully and consistently reached out. That has been misconstrued as concern when indeed it's just respect. (sighs) So you have that kind of stuff of, well, certain communities are being targeted with misinformation or disinformation. Disinformation means you're intentionally spreading it, by the way. 
This is the same thing they did, though, when Republican ads, just regular Republican ads about God, family, country, were targeted to Latino voters in Texas. My friend Giancarlo Sopo did some awesome ads for, I think, Trump in 2020. And then he, him and a, a bunch of other cool people have risen up to make ads targeting legal immigrants in America, people that that are very proud of their heritage, but are also more proud to be American citizens and to work hard and grow their family on this country. They are very rooted in faith. They're very rooted in family, and they're very rooted in a pride for our nation and for the opportunities. Those values are very conservative values. And so getting ads targeted to them to be like, hey, you guys actually would probably align with us a lot more. There's nothing wrong with that. But the left then says, oh my gosh, they're being specifically targeted. They're targeting the minorities in an unfair fashion. This is satanic. It's it's kind of funny to watch them freak out about it because I'm sorry, if you don't agree with me, that's that's fine. But I personally think that any group of people are very capable and not only that, capable of thinking for themselves. If they see political communication coming from one side or another, if it's phony enough, they're going to notice. If it's legit, they're going to notice that too. And they're going to be able to decipher these things. They're going to be able to think for themselves and be like, you know what? I am noticing the results of Democrats. I am noticing that it's actually the conservatives that are talking more about God, family, country. I am aligning more with conservatives and I'm going to make that decision to vote for myself. It's really kind of nasty, if you think about it, to see the left talk as if certain groups of people aren't capable of thinking for themselves and can be easily manipulated with misinformation or disinformation. Also, when we talk about this, there's the other aspect of voter intimidation that we hear a lot. I don't understand, but maybe you guys feel the same way as me. We hear the left always saying that there's voter intimidation. We have all of these issues of people being intimidated to go to the polls. And I'm like, wait a second. I have not seen anything like that. They act like we're in the the civil rights era where people got scared away from the voting ballots, the voting booth. But I have never seen anything like that. And so I think this is one of the, the main situations in America that they have completely made up. They have no proof for any of it, but it sounds scary, right? And so they've built this entire narrative around it where I've seen nothing. How many times are we going to allow them to continue to spread such harmful, false information? I don't know. But with that being said, I want to talk about New York really quick, and then we'll talk about Ron DeSantis versus Trump uh, because I'm not thrilled with it. I just need to say, as an upstate New Yorker that left the state, my family still lives here, it's a really complicated state. But when we see the rise in crime, when we see the absolute negative impacts from liberal liberal policies, corrupt leftist policies, etc., you are going to see people change their minds And that's what's happening in blue areas across the country. But here's a really great back and forth. So I don't know if you guys know this. The governor of New York is Kathy Hochul. She stepped in because she was Governor Cuomo's lieutenant governor when he resigned because of all the COVID drama, all the sexual harassment stuff in the workplace, that kind of mess. She stepped up. And what do you know? It's really only gotten worse. And the crime in New York is now crazy. But the left, like they are across the country, they're saying that it's not a real problem. They're saying it's not real. So what ended up happening is on MSNBC, the host who lives in New York City actually confronted Kathy Hochul, the governor, about this. I should also let you guys know what's happening right now is basically Lee Zeldin, the Republican running for governor of New York, he is polling at her level. They are head to head. I am shocked to see the numbers, but he is matching her in the polls. And that's something we have never seen in New York, or at least for a very, 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 very long time. That being said, here's the MSNBC clip. But I'm going to interrupt you then. 
Here's the problem. We don't feel safe. You might be working closely with Mayor Adams. You may have spent a whole lot of money, but I walk into my pharmacy and everything is on lockdown because of shoplifters. I'm not going in the subway. People don't feel safe in this town. So you may have done these things, but right now we're not feeling good. We're worried we could be San Francisco. That is such a good thing to say to her. And I think every Democrat needs to be addressed in this way. Everybody who's soft on crime. Because they can say as much as they want about how they're putting money into police, putting money into community resources and community organization and into these prison systems. And they're doing all this uh, reform on bail. All of these things that they keep telling us right to our face as everybody's like completely worried that they're going to be the next viral video of somebody dying or getting beaten on the streets or their store is going to be broken into and then they get shot and then they actually get sent to jail. Remember, they've done that before where the person defending their property gets sent to jail for shooting somebody who is attacking them. It's disgusting stuff. Every Democrat that supports this and then not only that, looks at the results of it and the people that are scared to death of it and says, your fear is for nothing. We've put a lot of money into this. Don't worry at all. You shouldn't even be worried. It's insane. And they need to be addressed in a direct way. So that was a really cool thing. Now, I would say the New York race is definitely one to watch. Same thing with Arizona with Carrie Lake. Oh, my gosh. She's going to be a really great governor. Knock on wood. Um, last but not least, if you guys haven't heard, a few days before Election Day, Donald Trump got on stage at a campaign rally and said this about Ron DeSantis. Trump at 71, Ron DeSanctimonious at 10 percent, Mike Pence at 70. Oh, Mike's doing better than I thought. All right. So it was the first of what I think will be many. But Donald Trump is now targeting Ron DeSantis. The response to this I'm sure is not what Trump expected. You have all the weird internet political boys all excited because they think that they're going to side with Trump and get in early and please him. And they're going to fire up the arguments and get it, get the fire going already. But I looked at it and I just shook my head because this is really unfortunate to see. I am really thankful for the results that President Trump has gotten. I'm thankful for his service. I'm thankful that he's still in the fight. But he's also very flawed as a politician, as a candidate. And I just can't imagine what in his head or what in their their strategist minds on that campaign team, what they were thinking, doing something like that, not only before a midterm, but to the most popular politician in America right now on the conservative side. I don't mean that as in like, oh, I'm a fangirl for Ron DeSantis, but but truly, like as somebody who cares about the country, as somebody who understands history, as somebody who loves, like I was just saying, I mean, the first half of my podcast was about federalism, about the rise of state power, about bringing back a respect for the difference between state power and federal government power. All of these things, we saw great leadership by a great man, a great family man, Ron DeSantis. And there is nothing that required Trump to have to do something like that. And there's nothing that's requiring him to do that. He's going to do it again. So it's like, why pick a fight in this situation? We should be united as a side, but I don't mean that as all Republicans, because I think the primary season is a really important season where we tell candidates who are rhinos, where we tell candidates who are just going to be big corporation 
puppets. And we tell rhinos who are going to support things like vaccine mandates and lockdowns again and who completely disrespect everything our founders intended and, and are happy to side with the Democrats when it benefits them. And anybody also corrupt, anybody that's got a lot of issues, like we're dealing with Herschel Walker right now, where story after story comes out of abuse, of, of previous issues with his family members. He's got like four kids from four different women. He bought abortions for people. It's like if we have problems with candidates as Republicans, we can solve that in the primary season. So some people are like, oh, this is good. We need primary season like this between Don Sanders and Trump. That's how we get strong candidates. But it's like, Really? We have to have our top guys going after each other in such a childish, petty way to divide our group when in reality, that should definitely be more of an allyship. And yes, I completely value the primary system where we get rid of bad candidates. That's absolutely something that I still value. I think this is totally different, though. Do you guys see what I mean, how there's a difference? So either way, people were pretty upset by it. And this is another example of how Trump is like really off base and out of touch with quite a few things. One of them is his decision to attack DeSantis because a lot of us have a lot of respect for him for how he has led his true leadership, his true values. It's just something where it's like, why did you go there? I don't know about you guys, but I thought I was like, wow, it's really not something that I want to see. So a lot of people are thinking that Matt Walsh said DeSantis is an extremely effective conservative governor who has had real policy wins and real cultural wins. Trump isn't going to be able to take this one down with a dumb nickname. He better have more than that up his sleeve. Also, nice job launching your public attack against the most popular conservative governor in America three days before the midterms when we're all supposed to be showing a united front. Then you had Jenna Ellis, who was Trump's lawyer. I don't know if she still is, but she was uh, after 2020. And she said, LOL, it was a joke and a funny one at that. Laugh a little and still support DeSantis governor re-election. You know, maybe it was that, but I have a feeling it's not because the media after this, including all of Trump's allies online, were saying that this is the start of DeSantis versus Trump and that it's just going to get worse. And I, I kind of hated how they'll share all the memes, they'll show all the videos, it'll make the money and do whatever it takes. They'll support Governor Ron DeSantis and be super gung-ho about a certain person until it's time to make money from somebody else. And then what do you know? They're all team Trump again, and they're all about the division. So that's just what I see when I see these consultants and stuff immediately jumping ship from DeSantis to him. It's like, geez, that was quick, you guys. There isn't a need to jump ship or to add to the division. And it really, really bothers me. It's also just really unattractive. And I hate to see that in people on our side. John Cardillo, sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, radio host, I saw him say the media desperately wants a Trump-DeSantis war, and for some inexplicable reason, Trump is giving it to them. Boom. John, I completely agree. This is completely unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. And Trump deciding to step into this either shows that he's making a bad decision or he's being misguided once again by bad people in a circle, because we know that that's exactly what gets him into these problems. Ian Miles Chung. He said bad-mouthing the most effective governor who's pushed nothing but conservative wins is a bad look for Trump. No idea who he's taking advice from, but it is bad advice. Completely agree. And Prince of Doges, <laughs> like Dogecoin or something, they said the absolute best thing DeSantis can do is not take the bait, be silent about the comment, let it stand, and concentrate on his job. I completely agree with that, too. And I think, honestly, I think that that would be the smartest strategy, and I have a feeling DeSantis will go with that because he's— really, really focused on the policy wins, the cultural wins, like Matt Walsh said. And just something about him makes it seem like he's willing to keep his head down 
and focus on the bigger picture here. And that means success for our nation, success for his state, and personally success for his career because he's like focused on this. He's doing a great job and he doesn't need to get into this petty BS. And I think that people like him a lot because he gets the results that Trump was able to get. He gets the publicity and the attention for our issues that Trump got, but he's also like just a stand-up guy. And I'm not saying Trump isn't either, but I just mean that he is so easy to defend. He's so easy to stand with, and he isn't the kind of person to attack others in such a fashion. So this is a great example of the differences between the two. And listen, they have their pros and their cons, but I love that Ron DeSantis is ruthless going after the left, going after the mainstream media journalists, the people spreading all of this false news and hurting our country, but he's not going to do it in an immoral way. He's not going to do it in an unnecessary way to people that should be a part of our team. So you guys, I hope that makes sense. But that being said, you better show up for election day tomorrow. Your vote very much matters. I will see you again on Wednesday. We'll see how we'll be able to talk about the results unless we are a nation that once again cannot handle getting election results in the night of the election. All right. I'll talk to you later. If you guys haven't yet, hit subscribe. Thank you. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.